I'm tired just after listening to that. Well, good morning. We are launching a new series um, about this idea of being empty. And it's not about, it's about coming to Christ and being empty so that He has margin in our lives. Because I think for a lot of us, we come to Christ so full of life and we ask Him somehow to work in that and there's no room because we're so busy. And I think, as, I want you to think about your, your week. Think about what, what, what was in it. How many of you, um, you, maybe you're like the mom here, sometimes it's just hard to say no to stuff. It's hard. Because some of it's really good stuff. Was any of the things that she said bad? No. There were family things and job, regular life stuff. Everybody has regular things going on. And yet we struggle with we struggle with if, if, there's some, if there's a little room in my schedule or my day or my week or my life, I need to fill it with something, don't we? We tend to, if there's any kind of space, instead of enjoying it and savoring it, we want to fill it. We, we think, oh, I've, I've got a, I, well, if I've got a little bit of space here, I need to fill it with something. And so one of the things I want to do over the next few weeks, I want to, we're going to camp in the Psalms, is because David gives us some really good models of how to, how to say, okay, God, I need to put you in your rightful place in our life so that when my life feels like it's full, that you're at the centerpiece of that. And I, it also helps me to say yes to the right things and no to the other things. Because for a lot of us, it's not that we're saying yes to a lot of bad things. It's just that we're saying yes to everything. And we don't know how to say no. And we feel guilty if we say no. We feel like if there's any kind of margin in our lives, we must be lazy. Uh, we're not productive. Uh, we're not doing something. And so we think, well, I better fill it. I better, I better add to my plate. So uh, where's Justin? Justin, come up here. I've asked Justin to help me. Um, he's going to fill this bad boy up for me. And while he's doing that, I'm going to keep talking because I don't think I can do both and something's going to break. But one of the things I wanted to do is that these plastic balls that we're putting into this tube represent things in our lives. They're not, they can be good things, they can be bad things. And so as your life is going along, the, these, this tube represents your life. And for all of us, we have a certain amount of space. Some of you have more, some of you have less. It doesn't make you less spiritual or more spiritual. But here's what I've discovered about myself, is that it's, I say yes to a lot of things, and sometimes I say yes out of guilt or out of obligation, or I want to impress, or I want, them to, I want to give, as the mother said, I want to give the appearance that I got it all together. Uh, I want everybody to know that I can juggle lots of things and that I can handle a lot. And so it, you can give off this perception. And so then when it's crazy full, when it's crazy full like this, then we ask God to do stuff. Let me just tell you, folks, the busier you are, the harder it is for God to do stuff. Because what we're asking God to do is just to jump on with our life and go, God, I need you to work here and do this and do that. Thank you, Justin. And this is really full. This is really full. I want to read you a great quote. Um, a pastor, um, he was a really a kind of really started his role in student ministry 
but his name was Michael Iaconelli. What a great last name. And he said, what keeps many of us from growing is not sin, but speed. Just busy life. And it's funny because you, you, be, you can be retired. Some of you are retired and you're busier now than you were when you were working. Am I right? <laughs> you, you do. You get you're something like, you're like, I got all this time. What do we do? We want to fill it. And, not, and some of it's good. But what I want to try to teach us over the next few weeks is that if this life, if this tube represents your life and it's so full, how can God do and work? How can He work? How can He do this? Because if this yellow ball represents Christ and we're asking Him with this full life, Maybe. Now, I better take some out because it's not, it kind of stays. Do you get the point? That we're asking God to somehow come in and work when there's really, hear me on this, where there's really no room to work. Because we put so much into our lives and we have allowed things to come into our lives that we somehow then ask God to come in and go, God, work now. Do your thing. And he's like, where? How? There's no room. There's no margin. And you know, the danger in this is that God becomes a checkbox. How many of you have ever had a quiet time, and then as soon as you got done, you don't remember what you read or what you did? I saw hands already going up. And, and, and I'll help you out, because you were thinking about your day or yesterday or your week. Anybody with me? I've done that. I've done that. I, I, you know, I'm getting ready for, I'm having a quiet time. And I'm thinking, oh man, I need to, I've got an appointment with so-and-so. I need to finish my outline. I've got this and I've got that. And then if, if, if Sonny would have come to me five minutes after that, he said, Danny, tell me about your quiet time. I'd have been, it was in the Bible. Don't remember where. Hopefully the little, this little thing here that uh, marks, maybe it'll tell you where. But I think we're notoriously filling our lives with things, not all bad. Now, I will tell you that this right here can re represent good and bad, can't it? It can. You, can. you can say for every purple ball, which is a good thing, the blue one could be pain or envy or anger. The yellow one could be family. The orange could be school. I mean, do you, you, you see where I'm going? Because we're asking God to work when there's no margin to work. We're asking God to, I'm on the fly, God, I need you to work. And I, I love what Michael Iaconelli is saying is, for many of us, our relationship gets stifled because not necessarily of sin, but because of the speed of our lives. And we're just going to the next thing. You know, many of you, you could say, checked off, yes. If somebody at church asked me if I had a quiet time this morning, I can say yes. But how much of it really impacted us? I, I, I remember reading from an author years ago, and he said, God doesn't want your time. He wants the intensity of your time. So if you have time with God, and it's intense, and it's only a few minutes, it's better than saying, I had 30 minutes with Jesus today. And it really was just a lot of just mindless reading. 
And so when we think about this tube, we have to think, you have to think about, you know, there's some things in here that just need to go away. I need to, uh, no, nah, you can't say about your family. All right, so let me help you with that one. But there's certain things you're going, okay, I need to, maybe I just need to stop saying, I need to stop saying yes to everything. I need to start saying no. And when we look at this, because Jesus wants to be in this tube. This is your life. He wants to not be on the outside looking in. He wants to be in. And we're going to look at that more next week. I'm going to put these over. Maybe I can put them right there. There we go. Now we're really full. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to Psalms. David wrote a lot of the Psalms. Psalms are great because they give you this really raw I mean, it's like you're, you're like in the head of people. You're like, oh, this is what they're really thinking. This is, this is really what's going on in their world. This is, this is their true heart. They're not, they're not sugarcoating it at all. We're going to be in Psalms 16. Now, it's funny because if, if you got this table at home, this table right here, and I set it in your house in a, in a strategic place. And I set it there just like this. How many of you would be like, it needs something? Am I right? The first thing you do is go, uh, you're not leaving a blank table there, Danny. It's a table. It's got nothing on it. And so what you would do is you would say, it needs something. That's, that's not enough. It still doesn't look right. It does, it's missing some things. That's looking better. Oh, and it needs a paperclip. Do you see where I'm going? We take things that are right with their rightful spots and they're in good places and we go, oh, it needs, it needs something. It needs more. I, it's not complete. And, then, and so then we get, and, and this, is, this is us, our lives, and then we get all of this. I mean, all of a sudden, and then we're asking Jesus to somehow work in our busy crazy, and God, Jesus is like, I have no margin in here. You, you've given me no margin to work. And so David gives us a really wonderful blueprint, and I, I just love this. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great hymn. It's, it's only 11 verses. Whenever you see in Scripture a word used frequently, you'll see that there was, an, there was a, an intention on that. And the word this time is my. And you'll see it, I think, it's, I think it's a dozen times in 11 verses, which is a lot. It's a lot. And it's, you see it, and it says, I love this, it says, my is used a dozen times in this short passage. Dave, David finds joy, and not only in the, he finds joy not only in God, but acknowledges in everything that comes from God, that everything that David has comes from him. And David gives us a healthy blueprint of how to live full. There's nothing wrong with having a lot going on in your world. But making sure that this isn't here where it should be is down here as the foundation, not as an add-on. See, our faith with Christ can't be an add-on. Christ has to be at His rightful place at the foundation, at the very core of who we are. Because when we're asking God to work and do something here, 
I mean, there's just no place for him to really do. He's, he's kind of on the outside looking in because we have filled our life with that. See, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were great at looking externally super busy, super powerful, super spiritual, and they gave everything off. But Jesus described them as empty on the inside because exterior-wise, they look like they had it all. And if you're taking notes, I was going to give you this. It says, what we focus on becomes the dominant influence in our lives. What we focus on becomes the dominant influence of our lives. If you focus on the busy, then that will be your focus. And if you're focused on the busy, what happens is, is you can say that you did a quiet time, that you prayed, that uh, you went to church, um, but you, you, some of you, how many of you, if you're honest, you're already thinking about, uh, you're thinking about last week or what's ahead next week? How many of you? Thank you. Isn't that hard? And then we ask you to come into church and not think about those things. You're thinking about doctor's appointments. You're thinking about school. You're thinking about job stuff. You're thinking about projects at home. You're thinking about whatever it is, and all those things fill this tube up. And some of them kind of stay, and they never go away, do they? They can be things like worry, anxiety, sorrow, pain, the pursuit of something. One of these balls can represent stuff, like I got to have more stuff. I need more stuff. I don't have enough stuff. I need to put more stuff on that table because Danny gave me a blank table and it needs stuff. And so David gives us a pretty good blueprint, but you, I, I want you to really catch that. What we focus on becomes the dominant influence of our lives. And David made God the dominant influence of his life. That was his focus. He's like, there's a lot of externals going on in my world, but I'm going to do that. So what I want to do, I want to read the passage first, and then we're going to unpack it real quick. So I'm going to pray, and then I want to walk through just 11 verses, and then we're going to look at them a little bit more in bite-sized chunks. So let's pray. God, you're asking us to come to you empty, but we come to you full too often. Then we ask you to bless. We ask you to somehow fit yourself into our lives when what you're asking is that you become the foundation of our lives, and then everything that comes out of that is because of you. God, we need to ask better questions that instead of fitting you in, we need to say, are you the foundation of our lives? Then let everything else develop from there. God, give us courage to say yes to the right things and no to the right things. God, I thank you for a man named David who wrote about his relationship with you in a very real and transparent way. And I pray that it speaks to our soul this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's take a look. It says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for this, the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood and will, will not pour out to take their names in, on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion, my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Instead, I am a beautiful inheritance. I have a beautiful inheritance, excuse me. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. 
Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord before me um, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you shall not abandon my soul in Shiloh or let your Holy One see corruption. Verse 11. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. And I just, you get this idea that he really, he really found, he really found himself resting in Christ. He really found himself knowing what was most important in his life. And so you know what David was probably starting to do? Is he was starting to take some of these rascals out. And he's like, you know, this, is, this used to be important to me, but it's not as important as, as I, it needs to be. And it gives God room. It gives God room to work, is to, is to eliminate all of the busy, to eliminate because we can't, if we come to Him so full, how can He work the way He wants to work in our lives? Because we're asking Him to bless things that He's like, I'm not, no, this is not, this isn't going to help you grow, this is just going to make you look busy. So let's look at this a little bit more. Let's do, we'll do it in kind of bite-sized chunks. There'll be some places if you want to write write down some things, you certainly can. So let's go back to verse 1 and 2. It says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. How many of you have ever done any preserving? How long does that stuff last once you seal it up? Tell me, somebody. Forever? Long time, right? Once it's sealed and you've done the right things, it's, it's, it's sealed. It's good. And that's what David is saying here is, preserve me, God, that this will last for a lifetime. And he says, and I take refuge in you, not in myself, not in my schedule, not in all these other things. These things were good things, but my refuge is in you, not in my position, not in my title. David could say, well, I can, I'm going to take, I'm going to rest in my authority. I'm a king. He didn't do that. He rested in God. He rested in who God was in his life. And he was the refuge of him. He says, and I saw the Lord. You are my Lord. I have nothing. I, I'm not, there's nothing good apart from you. He says, I recognize that this too is meaningless if you're not part of it. All of the things that I've acquired, if, if, if you are not part of it, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. And he's showing us that apart from God, there's nothing good. He's showing us that God was his foundation. He was it. He shows us that. And so you know what he shows us? And I think this is really where we set the table, is that relationship with God really matters. If you are not spending time with God regularly, I've said this to you for multiple years now, what you get from me on this day isn't enough. It's not. And I, you could have Billy Graham in here and it wouldn't be enough. You could have the most famous pastors in here because it's one hour a week. And what you need sustainable is a relationship with God that is is all is, you're always having that relationship. It's not just a set time, it's a life. It's a life. And so that relationship is really important. And David knew where to go to, that the foundation of his life 
was going to start there, that I take refuge in that. And then he goes on and says this. It says, as the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom I, in all my delight. He goes, there are others just like me that hold on to the same truth. The sorrows of those who run after God shall, other God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood, I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. He said, there are others who are chasing after all these other things. And it's subtle, folks. It's subtle what, what we start to add into our lives. And all of a sudden, this is full. And I'll tell you this. When your life is super full and there's, and, you are, and there's no margin, there's no empty, something budges, something gives. Your relationship with Christ, your marriage, your parenting. Um, you take your pick. You can probably figure it out. When there's no margin in your life and you have, you're full and you're asking God to somehow work in that, there's a, tent, there's a struggle going on because we want to we see God work, but it's like, how? Because there's no way for Him to do His thing. And David was reminding us that those who were like him, this is, this is down here. This is where it should be. And everything else kind of goes. But those who chase after other gods, and other gods, folks, are, are man, it can be technology. It can be, it can be job. It can be cash. It can be stuff. Um, I am amazed. I go, I, like I said, you know, I go, Beth and I go to state sales and stuff. I am amazed Last I, last I checked, a shovel that is a spade shovel, which has a point to it, one of those will do the job. And I'm yet to believe why you need eight of the same type. Not shorter, not taller, not eight. <laughs> they look the same. And yet we're, we're busy acquiring stuff, or we're busy doing things, or we're we're attaining spiritual knowledge, God, for your glory and your honor. And, you know, the reality is it's more for our glory and our honor. That we're attaining all this knowledge for you, God, for your benefit. The Pharisees of Jesus' day were, were, were guilty of that. They, were, they said that their knowledge and all that they were doing was for God's glory. and hither, No, it was for their honor and their glory. And David is saying, whatever you're pursuing, whatever the dominant influences of your life, that's what you're going to be about. That's what you're going to be about. And so if, if you, I'm throwing stuff up there to you, are certainly welcome to write down, but you don't have to. Our faith journey is not done in isolation. We're, we're, we're growing together. One of the things about coming to church and being in a life group and, and coming regularly is that our faith is strengthened with numbers, not in isolation. And David understood that because he made sure that he connected with the people that weren't chasing after worthless gods, but with people that would help him in his faith journey. And the other thing I would say is don't chase the wrong things. And it's funny because the, some of the wrong things are some of the best things. And we just, God's like, don't fill this and then ask me to do my thing. Don't fill this all the way up and say, God, look what all I'm doing for you. Look how busy I am. Have you ever been so busy that you just don't even realize what you're doing? You're just doing it because you're so busy? You're just like, I just got to get this done. I don't know. I, have you ever done that? I remember um, when I was the youth pastor here um, years ago, uh, Charlie, how many of you remember Charlie Hawthorne? Some of you don't. He passed away a number of years ago. Charlie was uh, one of those that would just come in and just want to sit and just chat. 
And he came in pretty frequently. He'd come into the church office, and he just he didn't have a care in the world, retired. He'd come down and plop in, sit down, and he would just chit-chat. And, I, and I'm like, you know, we don't, we don't have an appointment, do we? We don't have an appointment, Charlie. And he'd be like, he didn't care. And so one day, one day I am, um, I'm busy for Jesus on a Sunday morning. I'm in the, we used to, the students used to meet in the fellowship hall. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing something really spiritual. I'm unstacking chairs. Because that's a very spiritual thing to do. And so I'm unstacking chairs before all the students come in. And I'm, I am laser focused to my unstacking these very spiritual chairs. And he comes meandering in as Charlie did. And he, hey, Danny, how you doing? And I'm like, yeah, good, Charlie. Yeah, good. Okay, yeah. I'm, I, I'm stacking spiritual chairs here. These, and I'm, I'm stacking. And Charlie is trying to have a hello conversation with me. But I am busy. I am so busy for the kingdom of God that I blew him off because I needed to do this. This was way more important that those chairs were stacked in a good line, straight. And so the next day, Charlie comes into the office on Monday, and he didn't have an appointment again, which we need to talk because I'm so busy. I'm kidding, by the way. And he says, Danny, are you upset with me? And I looked at Charlie and I went, heaven, no, why? I was, well, yesterday, you wouldn't even talk to me. And God was like, you know, Danny, they're just chairs. People matter more. And that was a painful lesson for me that day because I can fill my stuff up. And I'm, those of you that have grown up in church, you can fill your stuff up just with spiritual stuff, can't you? look really busy for God, but you don't have any time for people. Because God wants to be at the center point of our lives, not the add-on into our lives. And that was a hard lesson for me. And I apologized to him. I learned a hard thing that day, that being busy for Jesus, people come first over chairs. So let's keep reading. Verse 5 says this, says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. means you hold my life, God. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. The only way that he knows what's coming for him is because of his relationship with him. He knows what lies ahead. Steward well what has been entrusted to you. See, one of the things we've got to do is we've got to steward well because you're, you're going to have some of this in your life. I do. I get it. You're going to have some of this in your life. But what if you had a little less? What if you had a little less that God could start to do some things? What if you had a little less that God could have a, some margin to work in your life? That if you said yes to the right things and no to the strategic things. Because 
what David is reminding us is that steward well what you've been entrusted with. You know what steward also is? Is don't add to your life. See, busyness has become some sort of mark of spirituality, which isn't accurate. There's nothing wrong with being busy. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with having ambition. There's nothing wrong with accomplishing a task. There's nothing wrong with with investing and and doing all that. But just make sure that they don't become the dominant things in your life. That's That's the catch here. Don't let them become the dominant things that they hijack you. And so, well, I, then, because then it gets, it gets everything else when Christ should be the center point of your life. Verse 7 says this, says, Bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be sa- shaken. He's reminding us that when I've put God in his rightful place, that even though the world can get topsy-turvy at times, I'm still not going to be shaken. I did um, Judy Swibel's funeral Friday, and one of the things I talked about is for a number of years, I didn't even know she was on dialysis. You know why I didn't know? It's because she never complained. Not once. I never heard her until, until one day when she was in the hospital, I went, you're a dialysis patient? Yeah, I just don't want to, you have to hear it in Judy's voice. I can't do the, she's like, yeah, just this dialysis thing. Anyway, what's, you know, and it's just the, the way in which you, with the way that you, you conduct yourself. And people like Judy and like David, they, they found this relationship with Christ to be the centerpiece. And regardless of what was coming, like Judy, like David, Christ was at the right side. And that's really important. I love this too. You are more likely to have peace and rest in Christ when Christ is at your right side. You, you will find more peace and rest when He's at the right side and not an add-on. Because here's what I find about the add-on of Jesus is you get really disconnected to Jesus. Am I right? If He's just an add-on, He becomes, yeah, I need to do that, Jesus saying. It becomes an obligation. It becomes, oh, yeah, I got to go to church. Oh, yeah, Danny wants us to read our Bibles. I don't have time for that. I'm I'm so busy for you, Jesus. I'm so busy. And so there you get to all that, and then look what he says, verse 9. He says, therefore, everything else leads to this. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. It says that his whole life, his whole, the essence of David celebrates. My flesh also dwells secure. That regardless of what happens, I'm secure in Christ. For you will not abandon my soul to Shiloh. And that's, a, that's considered a dark place in that culture. Or let your Holy One see corruption. And isn't this amazing? He says, because of his relationship, regardless of how it is, David says, I'm secure. But he doesn't know that if his life is so full. He doesn't know that. He can't experience that. Because if his life is so full, then then one of these balls represents fear. And another one represents uncertainty. And another one, and another one, and another one. And then that, and then God never gets to where he should be. But the more you spend time with him, the more that these things will either be readjusted. Some of them will go away. You'll get different ones, but it won't be so full that he can't do his thing. And that shape you. That's work in your life. 
And what David knew that all of us need to be reminded of is we have a living hope, and that's Christ. We have a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's a living hope. We should that should be secure for us. I love this. First Peter 1.3 says this, says, Blessed be to God our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. David knew that. And that was his foundation. The last thing is this. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand and pleasures forevermore. You make known the path of life. What David is saying is that God makes sure that when he is in his rightful place in our life, that he, t he shows us the things that should give us life, not take it. He shows us the things that should give us life, not take it. So that we're not filling our lives with a whole bunch of things, thinking, God, you, you must think these are great. Have you ever known somebody who did so much for God and seemed so unhappy? I've, I've met those people. They're doing so much for God, and yet they are some of the most unha unhappy people I've ever met because they are trying to burn out for God instead of live for God. Big difference. And God is saying, sometimes you've got to say yes to the right things and no to the other things. So some of you, and hear me on this, don't go, well, I don't have to do anything, Dan. I'm just going to come to church. No. God's going to teach you the things you need to be doing and the things you shouldn't be doing. God wants you to know that there's some things that are in your life that you need to say, I need to swallow and, okay, I need to spend less time on my tablet. I need to spend more time in my marriage. I need to spend more time exercising. I need... Some, it, it, sometimes it's, it's getting better things instead of everything. Our culture teaches us everything. Our culture says, fill your life up with everything and God too. No. No. And so what needs to happen, if that ball represents Christ... That was loud. If that ball represents, if this ball represents Christ and all that other stuff, let me see if I can get this down in there. There we go. Now, this is what's really cool. If he's here where he should be, as David is pointing out in his life, then all of that stuff starts to be, and then all of a sudden, if Christ is at the foundation of our lives, it gives you perspective on what is yes and what is no. Okay, God, no, man. Because if those things start to push him up and out, then you know that probably shouldn't be there. But if there's family and marriage and serving and investing, then you know those things should be in your life. If it's job and taking care of your body, and those things are valuable and they should be there. They should be on the foundation of this, not on, and, and Christ is trying to work. It's not how it works. And David knew that, and he was saying, that should be the foundation. Does that make sense? Because now, look at this. This looks better now, doesn't it? Because I won't put them all back in here. I won't bore you with that. But if I start to put these back in here now, Doesn't that seem better than Christ up here trying to be a part and be on the, he's really on the outside looking in going, I want to be a part, but there's no room. 
I'd love to be doing more, but I'm not at the foundation. I'm on the outside looking in, and you're saying, God, do something. And God's like, I can't because there's no room for me to do something. You need to say no to some things. You need to let go of some things. You need to say, I need to put Christ back in the place where he rightfully belongs, the foundation. David knew that very well. Because look what he finished at 11 again. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your presence, that means he spent time with him on a regular basis. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the last thing I say to you is this. Is Jesus your Savior? Because busyness in a spiritual world isn't going to make you a Savior. He's not, it's not going to make Him your Savior. Is He your Savior? Because if He's not, you're going to fill it with all of these other things first. You're going to reverse this tube, and you're going to ask Him to bless this, or you're going to say, God, look what all I'm doing for you. And He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Jesus said those words in the Gospels. And the other thing I'd ask you is, what's your focus? Whatever your focus is, that's going to be the dominant influence of your life. Is it job? Is it security? Is it health? Is it family? Is it marriage? Is it spiritual growth? What, what is it? What is it that's consuming the bulk of your thoughts and your actions in your life? Henry Blackaby said this. He says, when you choose to focus on Christ, you invite Him to take the most important position in your life as counselor and defender. But you have to ask Him to take the most dominant place in your life and that is, at its grassroots, the foundation of your personal relationship with Him. He can't be up here on the outside looking in and going, I want to help, but you need to say no. You need to release some things. So if, you, if you've been trying to be super busy for God and say, look what all I'm doing for you, God, I want to talk to you. I want to help you understand that you need a relationship with Christ because He needs to be in His rightful place, not on the outside looking in. And for some of you who've been following Christ for a long time, some of you need to say, God, I need to, I need to do some purging. I need, there's some, I've allowed some things just to kind of get here. I have bought into the lie that being busy makes me productive and spiritual. And being so busy sometimes, folks, and having no margin makes you tired and cranky and your relationship with God and everything else suffers. Does that make sense? So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at that this is where it should be and not on the outside looking in. So I want to pray, and then maybe this morning you just need to treat this as an altar. It's like, God, I have allowed so many things to kind of seep in. And for most of us, if you're like me, these didn't get here overnight. They came in the weeks and months and decades of our life, and then all of a sudden this thing is completely full, and we're like, how did I get here? It typically doesn't get there in a week or month. It typically is over a season of life. And then all of a sudden, I am so full. And how did I get here? It's because we didn't say no to anything. We said yes to everything. Let's pray. Father, I ask um, that you would give us courage to say yes to the right things. Because what you're asking us to do is to come empty of ourselves, not so full that you can't do anything. And too much of our days, God, you're on the outside looking in, and we're asking you to bless our busyness. 
And God, I thank you for a man named David who had an intimate relationship with you and he was still a father, he was still a husband, he was a king. He had turmoil around him. And I, I ask God that we would recognize that, that the significant things in our life need you at the foundation of all of them. There's nothing wrong with having a good job and working hard. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies. There's nothing wrong with doing things and all that kind of stuff, God. But when they become the most dominant things of our life and you become secondary, that's a discussion I know you want to have with us. I pray, Father, for some in this room. They've tried to be their own savior by filling their life with lots of Christian things, by being busy, by coming to church, by giving off the perception that they have it all together. And maybe this morning they're recognizing that you are on the outside looking in on their life and they need to take a step. There may be some in this room who are followers of you. They've been believers. They've been walking with you for a long time, but they have allowed their lives to be so full that there's no room for you to work. And maybe they just need to do business with you for them, for you and them to, do, to reorientate their life, God. Father, for the next few moments, I pray that not only that we sing songs, but that we also respond. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I'll ask you to stand. Altar is open.